Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Much of the New Testament is made up of letters written by Paul to the churches he planted. These letters were not written to strangers, but to friends. And each of these letters includes a very personal prayer. God would prompt Paul to pray by bringing specific people to his mind. Paul prayed intentional and powerful prayers for those he loved. Following his lead, these are prayers we should echo for one another. When God brings people to our minds, he is giving us the opportunity to pray on their behalf. Join us for a series where we learn to pray unceasingly with others in mind. Well, you don't look like you lost an hour of sleep. You look rested and ready to go. Do you feel that way? Yeah, all right. Both of you, that's great. All right. Um, all right. Uh, you know, you have some moments in your life that kind of stand out to you, right? Um, like you don't have, like they're just certain memories or certain moments or certain experiences that kind of define you or shape you or challenge you all throughout your life. Am I making sense? Like there's things that you, that you walk through or things that, that stand out to you throughout your life. And, and um, there's a handful for me. And one of them was when I was in the eighth grade. I remember getting off the school bus um, one afternoon, school bus riders, Car riders, boozy rich people, that's what y'all are. Uh, uh, we rode the school bus. Remember standing out? This, anyway. Uh, but I remember walking up, we had this big long hill of a driveway. Our, our, our house sat on like this top of this hill, and, and, and when you kind of come up the driveway, I remember walking up the driveway and seeing my mom's car in the driveway, which never happened at that point. Um, my mom is probably one of the most hardworking people you'll ever meet. I mean, she just always had. Um, she, she had to work hard because my dad pastors, pastored churches that believed that as long as they, like, kept you alive, that was all that mattered. Like, you, you were in it to, for the blessing of the gospel, not because you actually needed to pay your bills. Um, but so she worked, and she worked really, really hard. And so very rarely was she home when I, got off, when I got home from school. Typically, my dad would be there, and, you know, he'd be getting ready for supper and that kind of stuff, and my mom would be coming home later. And so I knew the fact that my mom's car was in the driveway, something was wrong. And I come in, I open the door, and walk into the living room, and my mom and dad are, are in the living room, and I can tell they have both have been crying. And I really don't know what to think. You know, here I am, just this teenager. At this point, I'm, in, I'm probably in that teenage angst, and I'm like, what's wrong with these weird people who I call my parents? Like, what's happening? And first thing I'm thinking is, what have I done? Like, have, have they found out something that, that I've done? And, and, like, my mom's just heartbroken because I've done something stupid again. And they asked me to sit down, and my mom had been having severe headaches for quite some time, to the point where she had gone and had some, some tests done. And they proceeded to tell me that they'd been ha- she'd been having these headaches and these tests, and she had gotten a phone call from a lady in our church that, that worked in the hospital system. And she had seen the test results, and my mom had a brain tumor. And now an eighth grade mind can't wrap, you, you can't wrap your mind around it. And in that moment, you know, all I can think is, my mom's going to die. And I don't even really know what was said 
after that or within that conversation, but I just remember like my mom, like them, them telling me this news and that mom has a brain tumor and, and like I, I kind of shut down after that. Like I just went into this, this mode where like you know, it was just, they were, I'm sure they were talking and I'm sure my parents have always been really good like explaining stuff to me. Like my dad never whooped me without me knowing why. Like I, like I, like they had a, they had a way of just putting, you know, I, I, I was adopted and like I don't ever remember not knowing that I was adopted, but I don't ever remember the moment they told me. That's how beautifully my parents communicated me with me all throughout my life. But uh, it just so happened it, that night we were in the midst of uh, revival. My dad pastored smaller churches, and, and I grew up in, in the church, and we did revival every fall and every spring. If you didn't grow up in the church, what that meant was they'd bring in some special preacher to come in and yell and spit on you for about four nights. Um, and say things that the preacher couldn't say because he could say them, and then he would bounce, and he'd be gone. And I remember thinking that night, like, I, I don't really want to go to church. Because if I'm honest, like, like, me and God weren't on good terms in that moment. You know, because I, I think I was still under the impression that if you follow Jesus, that meant you got a problem-free guarantee in life. We all know that ain't true, huh? Come on. Um, and I remember, like, thinking, I don't, I don't really want to go to church tonight. Like, the, the last place I really wanted to be is church because church represented God. And God, I'm, I'm kind of ticked off at you a little bit right now. And we went to church that night, and, and of course, word had begun to spread about mom's condition and that kind of stuff. And uh, that kind of dominated that night for a really long time. And they brought my mom down and, and, and knelt her on the altar, I think her and my mom and dad. And... Uh, the, the entire church left their seats and just prayed over my mom. Just like this chorus of, I mean, for like, I don't even really know how long it was. Um, and I think I, I was sitting still in the congregation. I don't think I ever even got up kind of come down in that moment. I don't even really remember. But I remember at some point in that night, like I got up and I, and I went downstairs into the basement of, our, uh, of the church. And uh, I remember sitting in this classroom that used to be my Sunday school classroom. And back then, you remember the old the half moon tables? I sat on this little chair and this, at this little half moon table that I used to sit in in Sunday school and, and just started crying out to God. And just pouring out my emotions to him. I don't, I don't even know that I was asking God to heal my mom in that moment. But at first it was kind of like, God... Why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this to happen? Like, what's going, like, I, I, even my theology was still kind of being formed in that moment, so I didn't even really know how to pray. But then all of a sudden, like, this weird peace just kind of rushed over me. And I think I even said something to mom and dad, like, this is going to be okay. Like, this is going to be okay. And we left that service, and, and a couple days went by, and I think I came home from school again a few days later, and once again, my mom's in the driveway. And I'm thinking... Um, this is really bad. And I walk in, and of course, they're emotional again. And it turns out she, in fact, did not have a brain tumor. That the lady who had called her with the test results had read the report. My mom's name is Joe Ann Smith, Joe A. Smith. And there was a guy that had the test at the same, the general time that my mom had had, and his name was Joe a smith and in fact it was not my mom with anything wrong it was this other gentleman and now it's weird emotions isn't it 
Because, like, you want to be like, whoo, thank you, Lord, that, like, like my mom's not going to die. My mom doesn't have this tumor. But then I'm like, we just went through hell for three days. And now somebody else's family has tried to figure that. It's got to walk through this process and, <laughs> and figure it out. And my whole life, if I'm honest, and I've told this story a lot, I've wrestled with that whole experience. And what I'm supposed to do with it and what I'm supposed to learn from it. Because I do deeply believe that, like, God wants us, or there's, I hear this thing, people say this all the time, everything happens for a reason. Everything has a cause. But sometimes the, re, the reason's hard to find it, figure out. Does that make sense? Like, it, like if, if, if I'm come kick you in the knee and it hurts, you say, oh, it hurts for a reason. Yeah, it hurts because I kicked you in the knee. But life is a little bit more complicated than that. And so when people say, well, everything has a purpose, but that don't help, so shut up. Because right now, I'm trying to figure this out. And, you know, sometimes everything, but here's the thing what I'm learning is everything has a lesson. That through the power and beauty and grace of God, that no matter what you walk through, good, bad, or indifferent, that if you'll lean into his spirit, there's things he can teach you in that spot. And now, I don't think God made us go through that so I could learn, through the, learn these lessons. I really don't. Yeah, I don't think that, that, that God forces us into these negative things just because, like, that's the only way we can learn. I think we live in this broken world that's, that's messed up by sin, and, and, and all the negative things that we experience are, are really a result of that. But now on the other side, what we, what we learn from it all depends on how much, we, how much courage we have to lean into God and, and listen to his voice. And, and I don't, this is what I know about that whole experience. I don't know that I've ever or had ever prayed as hard in my life up until that point in my life than I did in that moment. I mean, like, that was, that was as much, I was in communication with God in that few days more than I had ever been in my entire 14 or 15 years of life at that point. But this is what I've discovered. It seems like Every time I pray that much, it's connected to a moment like that. Like the, the intensity of my prayers is always connected to the intensity of my problems. And the only time I really have intense prayers is when I have intense problems. Y'all must be more holy than me. <laughs> Like, that's the, like, really, as I go back through and even preparing for this series and things, some things that God's been teaching me leading into this year, like, when I look through and just kind of begin to evaluate my life and evaluate my prayer life, it's always been intense prayer connect, like, the, the depth of my prayer is connected to the severity of my problems. And, like, that's just kind of the way I've always been in my life. And you know what, what, what I've discovered is even when I go through most of the problems in my life, prayer is not my default. Plans are. I'm, I'm, I'm into strategic plans. That's how I operate in my life. Like I'm a planner. Anybody else a planner in here? 
I think a lot of us, when you think, like, like I'm a planner in that, like, there, there's things I want to do. There's goals I want to set. There's things that I want to achieve. There's success that I want in my life. There's things that I want for my kids. And, and I'm convinced, like, like, this is how I get those things. It's through plans. And even when, when I come across a problem, I start figuring out how I can plan my way out of it. All right, like I got a financial problem. All right, let's come up with a plan. Where can we cut? Where can we do this? How can we do with this stuff? All right, I got a problem in another area of my life. Okay, let's start figuring out like what, how, we can, how we can figure it out. And what I've discovered is like that's my go-to. That's my default. That even, even as much as there's been seasons in my life with intense problems that have brought intense prayer, my default is not prayer. It's the plan. And I begin to learn that about myself. And as we moved into this year, and I, we were working with our staff here at the church and thinking about all the cool things that God has done and that kind of stuff, like I go in, I was finishing the year thinking, all right, what's, what's the plan for 2019? What's the strategic plan to keep us doing what God wants us to do and achieving what God wants us to achieve and making the difference? And, 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 and God said, God like hit me with a bolt of light and said, Matt, stop. Because right now you don't need strategic plans. You need more intentional prayer. And now don't get me wrong, it's not that we don't plan, but this is my default in life. I plan, then I pray. God, here's my plan, bless it. Like, here's what I want to do, here's what I want to accomplish, God, bless it. And then I justify that because, God, it's all good things, it's for you. Like, I know I didn't get you involved in the plan, but I've kind of, I didn't want to bother you. I came up with it myself. I know you're busy. You've got the whole world and universe to run, so I'll just figure it out and then ask you to just kind of bless it. And then what ends up happening is my, ble- my, my plan becomes a mess, and I ask God to bless my mess. I'm like, God, I'm here. I know I'm here because, like, I got myself here, but would you get me out? And God becomes like my, my, my bailout plan, my, my one free phone call. God bless it. And, and God has just been, been pushing me to, to what, if, what, if, what if, Matt, what if you prayed and then planned? What if your plans flowed out of your prayer instead of out of what you think is intelligence or you think is strategic or you think is best? Because, you know, we can get to this point where we're pretty smart people. And we can do a lot of things. You're gifted and you're talented and you're smart. And, that kind of, and so like you begin to like lean into that and lean away from God. And God started teaching me stuff about intentional prayer. Like Matt, like, like, because I've never been good at it. I know you're thinking, oh man, our pastor's telling us he's not good at praying. Sorry. There's other churches down the street that won't be as honest with you. But I've always struggled to pray. Like it's just, it really has been like so problem-driven. It's been so much crisis-driven. I've just been praying like, like God, I, I, I don't want to do that anymore. And you know what? If I'm honest, I've stood on this platform and said the same thing multiple times in the last 12 years. And it don't change a lot. And so I'm wrestling with this whole thing. And I know, what, I know what the Bible says about prayer. I read verses like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Like, pray continually, pray without ceasing. 
Like God invites us into a constant conversation with him. That because of what Jesus has done and because of the access to God is now uninhibited and unlimited, that we get to live in constant conversation with the creator of the universe. And as cool as that seems and sounds and is, very few of us take advantage of that opportunity. Let me read you some more scripture. Because see, God even promises in his word that like he listens. See, it's easy to stop talking to somebody that you, don't, you know you're just not listening. The other day I'm driving down the road, I'm talking to my son. I look over, I've been talking to him for five minutes, he ain't heard a word I said. So you know what I did? I just stopped talking. I wanted to smack him in the head and knock his earbuds out, but I didn't do that. I just stopped talking. And maybe sometimes we stop talking to God because somewhere along the way we think he isn't listening. Because we think because he isn't answering, he isn't listening. Because he isn't answering in the way that we want, and he's not leaning into what we're demanding of him. And sometimes, can we be honest, you don't go to God with an ask. You go to God with a demand. And it's hard to have a conversation like that. But Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Paul, back in Philippians chapter 4, I remind you, he's writing this from prison. <laughs> Let these words just filter through that reality. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Like, like all throughout the scriptures, like we're, we're not just like, we're not, it's not like God's demanding prayer of us. Like he's inviting us into a conversation with him. And so I've been asking God like the last several months, especially God, help me to get this better. Help me to be a more aware of your presence and more aware of the opportunity that I get to talk to you. Because, you know, for a lot of my life too, the reason why I, we bottled prayer up is because we bottled God up. And we thought that, that prayer had to be in this certain place. And, and like when somebody, you know, when somebody prays, we even have this certain posture that people think, Dear Lord Jesus, thank thee. We go into praying in King James for thy many blessings. You don't talk to anybody like that. Why do you talk to God like that? If you speak the Queen's English, fine, but I don't. And here's what God has begun to teach me. The whole key to beginning to like, like get God more involved in the conversation is to find a way to, to, to really see all of prayer the, the way it is. And, and if I'm honest, most of my prayer life has been driven by problems that will help me feel better. They're very self-centered, self-absorbed, selfish type prayers. Like, God, this is what I'm going through that I don't want to go through anymore. This is what I'm feeling that I don't want to feel anymore. God, this is what I'm facing that I can't fix. And so God began to kind of say, I, Matt, like, you really want to start shifting your prayer? What if you started with by being more intentional about how you pray for other people? Like, what, and you know what? The more I walk with Jesus, the more he pushes me to stop thinking about me. And maybe one of the biggest indicators of the maturity of your faith it's not just how and when you pray, but who you pray for and what you pray for. 
Whoo! See, it's not just that you're talking to God, but are you talking to God about something other than you? Hurts, don't it? Hurt me, man. It's like God hit me in my like spiritual gut, and it was like, whoa. And so I've been I've been studying about this concept called intercession. And I know that's a big churchy kind of word. And maybe you're, you're, you're new to church and, and like that word, you're like, I don't even know what that means, man. Like you're freaking me out. Like, but there's this concept in scripture called intercession. And what it means is just on behalf of another. Like when you intercede for someone, you're, you're standing in the gap for them. You're, 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 you're standing on behalf of them. You're calling out to God on behalf of them. Like, like you are going in the gap. You're going in there for the needs and concerns and hopes and dreams for another person. And we see this thing called intercession woven throughout the scripture. And God is the first one to model this concept for us. Look at Romans chapter 8. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That's a beautiful passage of Scripture, isn't it? So it's like when you're in that moment and you don't know what to pray or you don't know what to pray for or you don't, like you don't even have the words. Like it says the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Like he goes in the gap for us. To cry out because he knows our hearts and he knows what we need. And when we don't know, like, God, I'm here, I want to talk to you, but I got nothing. I don't know what to say because it's too painful, it's too frustrating, it's too dark, it's too weird, it's too, it's too much. And so, like, I don't even have words, God, to articulate to you what I need or what I want or what's happening. It says the Spirit moves in and with wordless gongs cries out on our behalf. But we are also called to be intercessors. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Like Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, one of, the, one of the beautiful things about the church will be that we should pray for each other, that we should pray for people, that when we come together, like praying, praying for each other should be a big part of what we do. And I, again, the more I began to learn about this thing called intercession, I, I began to kind of examine my own intercessory prayer life, my, how, how often I have done it. And, and again, the more, you ever look back on your life and, and shame isn't the right word, but just disappointment in yourself. Because this is what I found, like, like I have interceded, I've had the pleasure and the honor to intercede for a lot of people throughout my life. And sometimes I've done it well, and sometimes I've done it really poorly. And first of all, like maybe, let's stop for a second. One of the reasons my, why maybe we're not really good at intercessory prayer is we don't care about people. Or maybe we, they come to us with a prayer need, and in our mind we're thinking, I ain't praying about that. That ain't even a real problem. Am I the only one that's ever done that? If you knew my problems, you wouldn't even ask me to pray for that. I know when it gets quiet, it gets real. 
Can we be, like we begin to quantify problems as if they're not worthy to be prayed for because they're not as severe as we think they should be. But here's what I found. Like my, my intercessory prayer has been much more situational than it has intentional. Much more situational than intentional. Like, I, I don't regularly pray for, for people like, like I need to be. There have been times when one of you has asked me to pray for you in this building. Guess what? I never did. Not intentionally. Just forgot. Don't look at me like that. You've done it too. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, I got this going on in my life. Will you pray for me? Yes, brother. God bless you, sister. We get all churchy, start saying churchy things, and then we go about life and kids and jobs and stuff. And next thing you know, we see them, oh, how's that going? I ain't prayed for it. And basically, it's situational, not intentional, and it's usually, it's more from, from their ask. Like, basically, it only happens when they ask me about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's situational based on an ask. That somebody comes to me and says, hey, Matt, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I have going on. Tuesday, I'm having surgery, or or my family's going through this situation. And really, it will always be situational when it's dependent on the ask. It can be intentional when it comes from our willingness to pay attention. See, there's going to be times when you need to intercede for somebody, and guess what? They're never going to ask you for it. But you know what to pray because you're paying attention to other people. Your eyes are focused on them. You can see it in their body language. You pay attention just by the conversations that you're having them say and by the little hints that they drop as you're in these conversations. And as long as you're praying situationally, it'll always be dependent on them coming to you with an ask to say, this is what I need and this is what's happening. And that's great and that's beautiful. But if we're going to be the constant intercessors that God wants us to be and has called us to be and that the people around you need you to be, you can't wait for the ask. You have to be paying attention. That means you've got to turn your attention. This is going to be the hard part. You've got to turn your attention off of you and on to them. And when you make that intentional turn, you're able to pay attention to the needs of people. Because you know how many times that you have a conversation with another person, and all through that conversation, they're dropping hints. They're relaying to you their pain or their struggle or their frustration or their excitement and their hopes and their dreams and their desires. And in those conversations, it's laced with opportunity for you to pray. But but see, when it's situational and it's about the ask, it's only when in crisis. It's tethered to the problem. And we see prayer is the only thing that we need to really engage in when there's crisis. And that goes back to the the brokenness of how I prayed for so long. It was just about crisis. But when you turn your attention, you can pray without ceasing because you can find there's always something to pray for. Like we think intercession is when somebody has, has just like this need or when somebody's going through something difficult. And so when they're in crisis, they'll ask us and based on that situation is how we pray. That's, that's not the kind of intercessor that God's calling me to be. He's calling me to pray for people more intentionally, to teach me something about prayer and how I pray. 
And to do that, he's reminding me, like, i got to be paying attention. It means when, when people are in front of me and I'm having conversations, I've got to lock in and I've got to engage. And knowing that, hey, this conversation that I'm having with this person, like, I'm actually, God's going to reveal some things to me and drop hints that I need to pick up on. Because they need somebody to stand in the gap for them. And maybe I'm the one. And maybe that's what we think. We just assume that, oh, their mom's praying for them. Their grandma's a prayer warrior. Their small group will be praying for them. Stop taking the past like Jasmine talked about last week. You may tell you what God wants you to do, what he's put right in front of you. And if you've heard it, if it's fallen on your ears and your heart and your mind, guess what? You're the one. You're the one that's supposed to pray. What if we became that kind of church? What if we became that kind of people? What if that's part of what the body of Christ was supposed to be? You do realize Jesus modeled this. Go read through the Gospels. And read how often Jesus prays. Especially read in John, the latter part of John, when he's praying for his disciples. And you know how his disciples knew that he was praying? He had to have done it in front of them. But one of the Beautiful things that you see on intercessory prayer is through the letters of Paul. Again, I remind you, Paul was a church planner. He went from town to town. He'd start these churches up, and he'd leave, and he'd go to another town and start new churches and raise up leaders. But then later on down the road, as he heard about what was happening in these churches and these communities of people that he loved and he believed in, he would write them letters to help them deal with the stuff they were struggling with. And if you notice that there's not a single letter that Paul writes where he doesn't mention something that he's praying for them about. Go into Ephesians chapter 1. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So in this letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul includes a prayer. And now throughout the series, we're going to talk about lessons in the, in the prayer and lessons from the prayer. And one of the first things that, that, that I learned from this is that if we're going to pray for people, we need to let them know that we're praying. We need to let them know that we're praying. Paul very intentionally says, I am praying for you. Be an intercessor means you need to let the people that you know that you're praying. I'm praying for you. And sometimes they're going to look at you like, okay, I didn't ask you, but... Thanks. And this may seem a little bit weird. Because it may seem weird for you to say, you know what, uh, you didn't ask me to, but last week we had a conversation. And based on our conversation, this is what struck a chord in my heart. And since that moment, every single day, I've been talking to God on your behalf. 
I've been crying out to him for you. I've been letting him, I've been going to him every day as a part. And you know, here's what's going to happen. For you to do that, and guess what? You're going to pray every day. Or you're going to be lying. But let them know that you're praying. You know, I think sometimes we, we, maybe we misinterpret what Jesus said when we talked about go into your prayer closet and hide away and so nobody hears. And, and don't stand out and let people, don't be trying to be worried about your words so that everybody thinks how great you are. And so it's almost like we made this prayer almost completely private when there's moments that it's meant to be public. Like, there needs to be people that you're praying for, and you need to let them know that you're praying. And when we got easy technology now, before, you to let somebody know you were praying for them, you had to wait three or four days until you saw them next, or you had to call and, and beep through on call waiting to make sure you could get to them or something. I don't know. But, but like now, just a quick text, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you. I've never had anybody tell me that they were praying for me, and I've been upset. It encourages my spirit. Just, just letting them know that you're praying for them will begin to erase maybe the one thing they need gone, the loneliness of carrying what they're carrying by themselves. Let them know you're praying. And also learn from this that Paul, not only let them know that you're praying, let them know what you're praying. He's very specific, isn't he? He didn't just say, hey guys, I'm praying for y'all. All right, let's talk about some issues. He says, I'm asking that God would do this in your life and show you this and make this thing happen. Like, like I'm crying out to God, and these are specific things that I'm praying for you. And sometimes I wonder if, if people were reading that and thought, you know what? I didn't even know I needed that. But God, through the Holy Spirit, God is speaking to me through Paul's prayer, helping me see some things about me and some things I need to understand and some things I need to work through that I had not even recognized, that I had not even seen but Paul, having the courage to tell me that he's praying for him, me and having taken the time to detail what he is praying for me is beginning to change my life. We all know that we're called to be encouragers. That's not my gift. Yes, it is. It may not be your gift, but it's your calling. Stop. Like we sometimes we like, I'm just not an encourager. You just mean And you know what, but for, for some of us, like me, that doesn't come real natural. And I have to, I have to, I told you I was a planner, I have to plan out my encouragement. No joke. Y'all gonna think I'm crazy. That's okay, you already did. Um, every day, I carve out time out of my life to intentionally ask God who I should encourage that day. Five people every day. Sometimes five turns into 15. But if I, you know what I found? If I don't do that, I don't do that. Maybe you're just natural. You just exude encouragement. And you're just all throughout the day, oh, I need to encourage them. I love you. I'm glad you're in my life. Can I give you my phone number? But take time to encourage. Let them know that you're praying and let them know what you are praying. And I love what he says. I want just quickly, I think there's something to be learned in what Paul prays for other people. 
Because some of us may be sitting here thinking like, man, I have some people in my life and, and I'm praying for them. I don't really know what to pray. And maybe sometimes through the word, you need to be praying what Paul prayed for, for the church in Ephesus for somebody in your life. Or maybe somebody in this room needs to hear this prayer. This is what he's talking about. Like he says, he says, I pray that you would know him better. He says, I, I pray that you would go beyond rescue and experience relationship. Look what he says, beyond rescue and experience relationship. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that more than anything that you would, you would realize that God didn't just rescue you to leave you alone. That rescue leads to relationship. That you would know him better. And that God teaches me something about prayer. Maybe prayer is less about submitting your requests and more about building your relationship. Maybe prayer is less about submitting your request to God and more about building your relationship with God so that you know him better. And he says, because when you know him better, that relationship leads to a recognition of all that God has for you. When you go from rescue to relationship, in relationship you begin to recognize that all that God has. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, that you begin to recognize the great power that is at your disposal. So we're going to finish every one of these gatherings throughout this series practicing what we preach. So we're intentionally that for the next five minutes create some space for you to pray. So I'm going to invite you to do something. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes with me, and this is what I want you to do. What has God just taught you in this moment about how you need to pray that you need to apply right now? Maybe you're here and, and you just need to ask God to, to help you have a prayer life that's less dependent on problems and more about a pattern of conversation with Him. Or maybe you're here and, and, and you need to just spend some time praying for somebody. You need to stand in the gap right now. Maybe you need to specifically pray the prayer that Paul prayed for those people over somebody in your life. I'm going to invite some of our prayer team, some of our elders and leaders. Would you just go ahead and get up out of your seat and, and feel the perimeter of this room? There's going to be some people that are around the perimeter of the room who are ready to intercede with you and for you right now. And so maybe you're here today and something's just on your heart and you need to pray, you need to seek God, you need to talk to him, you need to ask him to move in your life. There are people all around this room who would love to pray for you. You let God lead you to the right one. There's men, there's women, there's people all around the room and they're solely here today to intercede with you or for you. We also remind you that we turn this platform into an altar and you want to come and kneel and pray. Maybe you walked in here carrying a burden for someone and you just need to come and intentionally kneel to God. Or maybe you need to ask God to do something in you that will make you better at everything that we've been talking about this morning. Because this is what the worst thing that could happen is you get out of this room, rush out, and not allow God to move in your life. So I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to invite you to pray. Find somebody around the room. There's somebody in here that needs to go find somebody right now. You need prayer, and you know you do, and you're scared, and your pride's getting in the way, and it's time to get out of your seat and go grab one of these people and do some work with the Lord. Spirit, move right now. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, 
and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.